0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast,
1: the Husker fan sports show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
0: With the season back on, Mac and I are counting down to another epic Aura Day weekend.
2: <laughs> A little bit delayed, but it's still going to happen. Nice to see. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? Yes, we have begun the countdown. I've also started my preseason workout regimen, which hasn't really been clearly defined yet. I'll get back to you, Redcasters, on that, but it's probably going to be less salt. (laughs) Just a little.
1: (laughs)
3: A little less salty going forward. All right. That's probably a good idea. Uh, Also with Boomer. Well, I just want to apologize to the listeners for the... For the schedule and pacing of the show tonight, Um, I was outspoken on all the items there, but at the end of the day, I was 0 for 3 in all the votes that the podcast took. Um, I spoke up, didn't want to get kicked around, but it's in place. You won't hear any more out of me. We're going to strap the chin strap on and go out and podcast the hell out of it. So you're not going to say
1: that your good friend Honky is happy tonight, but uh, his friend Boomer isn't?
3: Is that right? (laughs) Now we're all good here, Dave. We're, we're all a, we're all a happy family. So.
2: It sounds like someone wants to leave the podcast pretty strongly. There, I'm going to write a pretty quick reactionary article and uh, defame him quickly. <laughs> okay, Mac Forty. Mac 40. <laughs> Gross. It's uh, it's man. I bet he wishes his name was Mac Forty because that would be a sweet name. Instead, it's just Pat Forty.
1: Uh, all right, guys. Well, um, I don't know if I want to talk. Any more about Pat 40. Um, but Honky, we do have a lot of stuff to tackle tonight. First off, uh, we do have a podcast where we're going to be on uh, this Friday, right, Honk?
0: Yeah, we'll be uh, making a repeat visit, uh, this time just Dave and I, uh, with Derek Pearson, Dr. Petey, uh, with the Hill Varsity Varsity Club podcast. So uh, Redcasters be listening for that. It usually releases on a Friday. So, Varsity Club podcast.
1: He told us that Honky and I were the best out of the four. And so he only wanted us back. So yes, the, apparently, guys.
2: Boomer and I's love of essential oils was, uh, not welcome there. So, <laughs> enjoy breathing stuffy air, boys.
1: <laughs> uh, and then the Honky, you know, we also will be, um, Previewing the next couple of weeks, uh, the offense and, and defense as we get into a true fall camp, right?
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of people. We sent out some mailbag questions tonight, and we got a ton of responses. Thank you so much, Redcasters, for all that. But we had some questions that were specific to offense and defense, and we're going to kind of aggregate all those and put them together over the next couple of weeks, and Ooh, we'll do that. Thank you. We'll do that next Is week. That and where
2: my allergies are up. <laughs> all that. <laughs>
0: So, so tonight's show the the theme of tonight's show is schedule conflict, Dave, and and that's because you know since we've last talked a week ago, we have a schedule, right? But apparently, some people have taken offense to it, or I don't know. I mean, no, I don't think anyone on the RedCast really cares about. It. We're ready to play.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I thought the Big Ten finally did something right on Saturday, where we woke up and we found out that they were going to. You know, release the, the Big Ten schedule that morning on the big noon kickoff. Fox needed something because their game, which I believe was Baylor versus Houston, uh, which actually was a makeup game that had, they just created out of thin air five days beforehand, um, had gotten canceled because of, of COVID. And so, um, it fit nicely into, uh, Fox's programming to, to release the Big Ten schedule and they went game by game. And to none of our surprises, Ohio State was the first one on it. Um, maybe it was uh, surprising they were the first game, but we knew we were going to play Ohio State. And then, um, you know, the Realville went pretty well, I thought, honk. But some of the reactions from Nebraska fans were somehow that the Big Ten was out to get us. Uh, was that your take? Well, I think, you know,
0: there were some fans that certainly said that. I don't think all of Husker Nation, I know a lot, I saw a lot of Husker Nation that was saying, let's bring it on, let's go, let's play. Uh, We were excited about it. I've seen a lot of the same national people, and we're not going to keep bringing who they are. We know who they are. But a lot of the same national people, you know, writing headlines about Nebraska bitching. And what it really is, is it's them continuing that narrative. And guess what? They're going to write what they want to write. I mean, Mac, uh, Fat Porty was on. um What, uh, Benning's show, yeah. Benning yeah. and Severe this morning? And so I, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but, I mean, you said he's heard things from Frost the way he's going to hear it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the big takeaway. They did a good job at the interview with him, and those guys Those guys were very polite to their guest. But Damon brought up a really good point about Frost articulating how he wanted to play a Big Ten schedule, and, you know, he made that clear. Well, Forty kind of repeated the same spot, but just goes, That sounds like a guy who was talking about leaving the Big Ten. I'm like, he just hears it differently. You know, that's fine. But to go out there and say that's how Frost feels is an entirely different argument. If you want to say, to me that sounds like this, okay. But to go out and say Frost is whining or Nebraska is whining... You know that I'm not going to hear that. My mom isn't whining about the schedule. She's excited we're going to play football. You know, like that's most of what I hear is everyone's excited to play football. No one's surprised we got a tough schedule. And and here's the bottom line: I think most Husker fans realize this. Until we're a better team, our schedule's always going to look tough. Yeah. You know, until we start having teams we can just check off as now that's a win, that's a win, that's a win, like it used to be. Then our schedule's going to look tough. You know, whose schedule's never going to look hard? Oh, Ohio, Ohio State's, State's, Well,
0: Moose said that. Um, Nebraska's playing five AP preseason top 25 teams. Ohio State's only playing two. And part of the problem with that, and I love athletic director moves, man. Man crush on that guy for me, okay? I mean, the guy, he's done everything right here. I'm not being critical of him in any other way than just simply saying, look, the reason Ohio State's only playing two and not three, at the very least, is because we're not ranked. We haven't done our part, right? And as we get to being ranked, I mean, we'll be a tough team on people's schedule too, right? And we'll be viewed that way. Right now... None of this is productive conversation. And most Nebraska fans that I know and that we talk with, they are pumped to play this. Yeah. I don't think anyone feels like the Big Ten has set us up. Um, we get to play Ohio State early in the season. I think that's a great time to hit them. Uh, there's not going to be a 100,000 people, which was how many people were in the stadium the last time Dave and I went down yeah. there in 2016 to watch Nebraska get beat badly Mm. um the second game of the year dave we're gonna get wisconsin at home for a second year in a row in lincoln and i'm not hearing a bunch of complaining out of the badgers about having to to come to lincoln again yeah and dave you mentioned that a week ago you hypothetically quarantined. well that's true well that's what dave (laughs) mentioned last week he goes you said you go you know hypothetically if wisconsin was number two on our schedule you know they've been quarantined right i mean is, is that not an advantage to nebraska to get to play them early and i think it is We're going to focus tonight mostly on the first four games. We even have a a Twitter poll about it. But really, I don't look at this schedule as we haven't been set up poorly. I mean, Boomer, do you think we have been?
3: No. Again, these were all teams we were expecting to play at one point or another. I mean, what were the complaints going into this season? Oh, look how hard the back end of the schedule is. Well, okay, now it just flipped around. That's right. It was going to be a hard schedule no matter how you looked at it. So that was just part of it. And then I think uh, just another end of it, I think something Husker fans can look at and maybe say, hey, this is kind of a, a positive take on what they think of is, you know, the Big Ten is basically starting a month after everybody else has been playing already, and they need a way to generate views and interest and in getting people to watch their games and i think just looking at the first couple of weeks what is two of the big four key games they are four or five key games they have going on there they involve nebraska i mean you've got the nebraska ohio state matchup That's right. opening week you know that was a clear easy thing to to launch i mean like john bishop put it and you know we commented on that's like classic pro wrestling booking right there you get that the tag team that was working together now you know ohio state's on the way for the championship and now you set them up against their former friend you know in the off season you know and we can go out and become the heel now and screw up their entire season you imagine if we go out and beat ohio state week one what does that do i mean that torpedoes everything for them so well, that's the
2: quickest way to get the big ten schedule canceled
3: which would be kind of funny in its own way i mean let's be honest that would be enjoyable, would it not? I mean, that that would be grand. I mean, to Boomer's point. Yeah, well, then I was going to say, you know, week two, it's Halloween weekend. You have us playing Wisconsin. That's great game, great TV. And Ohio State, you know who they played that same week? Penn State. So you've got the first two weeks, you got these huge marquee games. Oh and 2
2: That sounds yeah. rough. <laughs> That's a
3: terrible start. I feel bad for them, Buckeyes. So I mean, you've got a schedule there designed to draw interest, get people into it. I mean, you've even got you know other side games like you know Michigan, Minnesota's week one. That's a big game. Both those teams need a win to yeah. That's season right. Off like a right.
2: Battle of Two Turtles coming out. Yeah, of that the should show. draw
3: a lot of views, and I think that's what the the Big Ten set out to do. And it, they created narratives. They're, they're going to have huge fan interest those first couple weeks, and th- that's kind of what you have to do when you're starting so much later than everybody else. So
1: yeah, I mean. To to Boomer's point of, like, we knew this schedule a long time ago, everyone kept their, quote-unquote, permanent rival. Ours right now is Ohio State. It's a six-year stint. And then everybody in the West kept their home game with their East crossover, right? And that was always going to be Penn State, guys. It's never going to be anything else. So I don't know why anybody was surprised that that happened. And also, I don't know why Moose actually thought he was going to be convincing enough to balance the schedule i mean like look at michigan to to boomer's point there they open up versus one of the better teams in the big 10 west minnesota for the little brown jug and then who else do they get from the big 10 uh west wisconsin i believe right yeah i mean michigan's got a tough tough draw there uh relative the rest
2: of the big 10 east teams right i mean it just is the way it was going to be it looks like a pretty cool schedule to be, to be real honest. And it gives you laser focus at the beginning of the year to play Ohio State. There's no ch- There's no margin for error. You know, as far as Moose's comments, I guess I'd rather have an AD error on the side of defending his program too much than mm-hmm. someone who, you know, wouldn't stand up for anything. It, it overstepped a little more than I feel like I would be comfortable saying because it does come off a little like, I don't know, some of it's wrong.
1: I, I think it's interesting because you two are – Probably one of uh, the, Moose's biggest critics last year when I, I, I guess it was the end of the year, right? And he was like, hey, you know, I mean, six and six will be fine or something. Like that. I don't, I can't remember the quote, but I mean, you're he was trying to say, hey, give us more time. And you guys got pretty, pretty, he angry told us to it. be patient. And here again, he's like saying, hey, can we buy a break for Scott Frost here? And I mean, like, I guess he's going to bat for his coach in both instances, but whatever.
0: Yeah. I think just in general, this goes to. Anyone, yeah. fans,
1: players, whoever.
0: Right now, we won the biggest battle of the offseason. Nebraska, yes, we, it, we aren't playing football as a conference if Nebraska didn't do what Nebraska did. I'm not saying we did it alone, but I'm just saying if Nebraska wasn't a part of this process, we know that the Big Ten would still be sitting on the sidelines. We won the biggest Grassroots battle.
2: Grassroots movement here. Grassroots I mean, movement.
0: So just we Call it what you want, to. We won the biggest battle right there. So right now, the rest of it, Honestly, any more fighting back just comes off as complaining. It's it's a
2: great schedule. We've got to play a bunch of great teams. Who cares what order we play them in? Honestly, guys, we're not going to get – the only thing this sets us up for, which is the most irritating, is if we get smoked the first couple games. There's just guys on ESPN just loaded up ready to bash us, and I won't handle that with class. Yeah,
3: let's not not get (laughs) smoked. And part of this is just the the foibles of having you know fourteen teams in a conference that kind of makes these weird, unbalanced schedules at times. I was looking at some uh, future schedules for uh, you know Big Ten teams. So like, uh, have you seen 2024's Wisconsin schedule? Their crossovers are Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, and they have a non con game with Alabama. So good luck with that, Badgers. Wow,
2: that's that's brutal. Good on Alabama. <laughs> that's right.
3: Hey.
1: So I mean we I we could talk schedule all day I suppose and I know hockey I think we maybe we want to take a deeper dive on these first four one topic I would like to chat with you guys because that's why we do the podcast right we just get to talk amongst ourselves about stuff that comes to mind Boomer maybe this is a good one for you because you can answer it without emotion <laughs> but <laughs> hockey made the statement and I I do believe he's he's right that Nebraska had a role maybe a large role in helping move the Big Ten towards saying, yes, we're going to play a football season. Do you believe that the daily antigen testing was an even bigger factor than the, the loud voices in the room from Nebraska and Ohio State and others saying, hey, we want to play? Was it the daily testing? If that didn't happen, would we be talking right now about a Big Ten schedule?
3: I would guess not. I think that daily testing gave the Big Ten the out they needed. Because if you didn't have that, then you were going to run into that situation where they'd all said, "Oh, we're not even going to revisit this, and it's not safe to do so." That would have opened themselves up to huge questions about what's what's changed from when you canceled the season to now that you're starting it again. But now that you can start daily testing, and it should, you know, like we talked about last week, it should allow you to identify those cases, get them isolated, get things, you know, prevent those huge breakouts. Um, You know, kind of like we saw with Notre Dame today. Um, Exactly. I think that gave the Big Ten the ability to bend to the pressure that Nebraska and Ohio State and, you know, Iowa and, you know, everyone else was putting on them. So it gave them that out. It gave them that escape valve that they needed. You know, you take that whole Sun Tzu art of war thing. You always leave a path for for your enemy to retreat at so they don't fight to the death. That daily testing was their retreat path, and it worked out for the best for everybody. I like it. We're dropping Art of War. Excellent, Boomer. We're a versatile podcast here, Dave.
1: <laughs> Diverse and wide-ranging. All right, uh, so, Honk, uh, do we want to kind of like walk through these uh, first four games a little bit, or you want to lead off with this Twitter poll you got going?
0: Yeah, so we had a, a Twitter poll, and I want to give thanks to a, a couple of our, our Twitter friends, uh, Husk Guys and Chad and SoCal, Husker Hype, and, and a new one, too, for us, Huskers Game Day. Um, don't know as much about, uh, him as the other three. Obviously we've had them on, it could be him or her, but, uh, want to give shout outs to all of them. Thanks for helping get these numbers up. We got 1775 votes on this poll and it's pretty, pretty simple poll here. After a hard fought week one battle in the shoe, we're going to give the edge to the Buckeyes. So it's those next three games that really intrigue us. How do you see the Huskers doing over this stretch that takes us to the midpoint of the season? And so we gave them the four options. We're going to go three and zero, two and one, one and two, or zero and three. And the number one vote getter was two and one. That was forty two point nine percent. The second one was one and two. That's thirty four point four percent. And then three and zero came in at fifteen point six percent. And zero and three came in last at six point one percent. When you get through all those numbers, the basic number is is that fifty nine percent of seventeen hundred and seventy five votes think that we're going to at least win two games we're at least gonna split so i mean when you go through those first four games if we're sitting there Hmm. after the penn state home game and we're sitting at two and two i think most people are feeling pretty good about what that means towards the last four barring any crazy like you know as long as we didn't get blown out by like 80 points in each of the the two losses right so you know if we're sitting at two and two we've at least beat penn state wisconsin or you know ohio state at least one of them right and so, and heck, like I said, 15% even thought we can go 3-0 and and win all three of those ones. Two of them are at home. This is not undoable, to be quite honest. I am I feel very bullish on this team coming into year three. I like Martinez coming back. I like the O-line coming back I- intact and having Juergens from, from day one getting those snaps down. I like the size of the receiver. I like having Mills sure. an established running back right away. I like the depth that we that we're going to have. I like this offense right out of the shoot and I think our defense is gonna look a lot more like a big Ten defense I just don't think we're just gonna get pushed around or anything yeah. I I mean it's impo- I'm not good at you know predicting numbers always but I'm just saying I don't think what are I'm you not worried about? about playing any one of these four teams
2: why do you say that about yourself that's <laughs> silly well because anyway.
0: every year I say we're gonna go 12 no I
2: get it no no, no
1: I get that. <laughs> so so Mac let's start with Ohio State here and uh, you know I I really did want to start breaking these games down a little bit because I'm just so tired of the, the schedule conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the local scribes that has started doing this is Sam McEwen. He's already been a, Hey, let's, let's start talking football. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, he, he's making the case that he like honky actually relatively bullish on, on the Huskers and thinks that the schedule sets up relatively well for him. But he really does think the Ohio state game is a tough thing to, to, to handle in game one. Right. That's a, big job to tackle and his point was like you know Ohio State's gonna be really good obviously they can enforce your will on you and it's tough as a Nebraska team that is just you know typically in game one you're you're ramping up for that in your preseason Mm -hmm. and you are gearing up your team to win game one right yeah and it's tough here when you know you have it's a long shot to win game one, not that's not how you go about it. But it, in reality, we all know it's going to take a lot for us to beat Ohio State. Not impossible. Going to take a lot to get it done. Uh, how, as a coach, coaching staff, do you approach preparation for game one? Do you try to build it up to say, "Hey, this is our, our great opportunity"? Do you try to downplay it and say, "Hey, it's just another game. We're going to have seven more after, eight more after this." I mean, what's your approach in
2: game one versus this high of a caliber of opponent? Probably the first thing that he would address or, or or make clear to them is we never really went away. The, the Husker program, from my understanding, was constantly working out, constantly working out together, trying to stay sharp, trying to stay focused. And I do believe, you know, with the exception of maybe the very first game, that will show dividends later or earlier in the schedule. Now, Ohio State's the one test case, right? Like Their, their talent level is at a... You know, there's such a, I guess you'd say it's discrepancy between the two, that we're going to have to execute at a very high level, or they're not executing at their highest level to make that game possible. But here's the, heres it's the first game of the year. We have no idea how these teams are going to come out. I suspect, and this is what Frost is probably telling him, the cleaner team wins that game. And and I truly Mm -hmm. believe that, because... Talent is one thing. It's been a weird offseason. Who knows where some of these, and we're talking about players too, Dave. Sometimes the talent might be something that might work against him in this case because some of these guys probably had some choices to make. Sure. Do I even come back? Am I, am I really even sold out for this year? Have I even been in my playbook the way I would have been for something? Uh, for a college football season that kind of was unexpected at some point. You know, meanwhile, the Nebraska players have nothing to lose. It is absolutely sure. best case scenario. Whereas last year they come out the favorites. Everybody's got all these expectations of them, you know. And There's hardly anywhere to go but down in some cases. This year, it is no holds barred. Not to mention with the, the restrictions removed for the eligibility with redshirt freshmen, true freshmen, mm-hmm. we can throw the house at these guys and should.
0: Yeah, the... The elephant in the room or the, the what we don't know is how Martinez is going to play. If Martinez comes out and has the kind of bounce-back junior year after a sophomore slump that we expect him to have, I'm not conceding any game to anyone. I know two years ago we went to the, to the horseshoe and played in front of fans and lost by five points. That was with an Urban Meyer coach team. I have no doubt that I, I would imagine Ohio State's better than they were two years ago, I guess. I know we're better than we were two years ago. I don't think there's any reason that we should go into the horseshoe and think that we can't compete with these guys. A year ago, we got knocked off bad at home by them. We did. And they had some very elite players, Chase Young being one of them, that made some plays. I mean, look, they were going to beat us with or without Young, but Young made a couple plays by himself that changed the game early. There was that one fullback trap to uh, Dedrick Mills that I think it's a 60-yard touchdown run. We're down 14-7. And Young makes a play that doesn't get made by many guys. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure Ohio State fan would sit there and say, look, we have five more Chase Youngs on the team right now. And I'm sure they do. But I'm just saying, I know what Nebraska's done in the two years since we played there the last time. And so we're getting better, too. I'm really excited to see how we look with a Jordan Riley and a Ty Robinson, 6'6", 325-pound D lineman, that are going to be harder to get pushed around. And I'm excited to see when Omar Manning – a six four receiver going out there and let's have Ohio State have to go and, and line up against him and let's have. Uh, a healthy Wondell Robinson playing in the positions well, that he should be. Same
2: with Betts, who would be a freshman that maybe you wouldn't think we should get as many reps in practice because he's not going to play this year. Well, going into practice now, it's like he can play as much yeah. as we can play him. Another size Hickman getting more time as sure. the wide receiver. we're there. just
0: more com- we're yeah. a more complete team too, and so that's my whole thing. I'm again, it's not about me coming out here right now and saying we're going to beat Ohio State by twenty points and making stupid projections. <laughs> I'm not saying that.
3: There's time for that in a future show.
0: Yeah, we have plenty of time, right? But but look. We also don't have anything to. There's no fear going Zero.
2: in there. All the pressure's on Ohio State. We get. A, we're just going to come in swinging. And you're like, like you said, Dave. It's kind of a. It's a marquee game. It's it's the out of the gates game. It's it's the. Listen, I have no problem with the Big Ten, even if it was some sort of nefarious makeup for their schedule to get Ohio State to the to the college football playoff. I, I don't even care about that. But we could wreck shop get week one. We could wreck shop week one. How how long has it been since we've done that? Michigan State, Boomer. You're talking about you know Wisconsin
1: playing Alabama here in a future year. I mean, the reality is is as we go forward in this program, if we expect to move up the the tier of Big Ten teams and start competing at a higher level at a national level, uh, we're going to have these early season non-con games that are going to mean a lot, right? And we better start getting used to having early matchups that um, we have to be ready to come out of the gate for.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that even goes to our current schedule. We've got Oklahoma coming up here, you know, the next few seasons. Uh, and we start playing Tennessee. When do they come up?
1: And I felt like they pushed that back. Yeah, forever, it's been pushed back for a long Oklahoma's time. Oklahoma's but... a great example, absolutely. We're going to have to be ready to play those guys early. Yeah, and,
3: and like you said, Dave, if if we want to start taking ourselves seriously as we're a blue blood program, where we should be in Upper echelon talk every year. You've got to be able to play those non-con games or these early season games, win them, or at least be competitive in them, and set your whole season up for success. Uh, you know, I guess that's the biggest concern with these first couple of games. You know, Ohio State and Wisconsin, two of our you know normal nemesis in this in this whole Big Ten. You know, if you come out and get blown out by both of them, you know that could torpedo an entire season. But if you go out and compete with both of them, maybe you don't win. Both. You win one of those and compete in the other. That sets your whole season up for success, and this is what you want. So we've got the opportunity. Let's make something happen with it. Well, Hunk, let's talk about whiskey a little bit, right? I mean,
1: you know, we've already mentioned that it might be advantageous to catch them early, and that's what we got. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not just because of... Them having to set out some practices and being behind the, uh, their schedule a little bit uh, due to COVID, but just traditionally speaking, Wisconsin's not as sharp early in the year, right? They've struggled in some non-conference games, um, really surprisingly, right? I remember Oregon State a, a couple of years ago, right, mm-hmm. where you're like, "What is going on with that Wisconsin team?" And by the end of the year, they're they're rolling, right? Mm-hmm. But so I, I don't know if that will happen this year. Um It's October instead of. September when they're starting, maybe they're they're just better in cooler weather. We're going to find out. But uh, they've definitely struggled early in, in seasons with their their offense, right?
0: Yeah, and for me, I just feel like we're catching up. When I look at what we did two years ago, we put up a bunch of yards on them, but they were coming from behind. There were a lot of balls through the air, some deep passes, I think, to, to Spielman. A year ago, we stepped it up. We played better against them. We had the lead oh, well into the second quarter. And we ran the ball very successfully on them. We had 300 yards rushing, sack adjusted. Okay. We have 11 yards of carry on 17 carries for Dedrick Mills. I want that right away. And the big thing when you're playing the big boys like Wisconsin is how are you going to do in the trenches? And I'm, I just can't say it enough. I can't wait to see how the lines of scrimmage look for Nebraska this year. That offensive line, Ben Hart. Earning a right tackle position because he doesn't we don't need to replace a single lineman. We have all five coming back. But if Ben Hart is that right tackle, and we think he will be, and if Farniak moves into that guard spot that we've been hearing back about for years is his natural spot, and if we have Jurgens right away, no snap issues, like we had last year right. for the first six games of the season, if none of that's present, if you have Hymas who can legitimately be that all big 10 linemen that's a great sign to start with and on the d-line part like i said we've got size that we haven't had before it might be inexperienced but it's size it's big boys playing there so i want to see that right away i want to see how we stack up against the ohio states and the wisconsin's right there in the trenches
1: absolutely and then after whiskey mac then we get our our nemesis our true nemesis <laughs> it feels like uh what do you call them Boomer? uh they're on you dave <laughs> Hydrox and you, exactly. Our friends, the Wildcats from Northwestern, where uh, they always play us tough uh, wherever it's at. This year, this is in Evanston, right, Honky? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's actually we've had better success there, but we did pull out a victory the uh, last year versus uh, Northwestern in, in Lincoln. So, you know, how do you feel – we match up with Northwestern this year.
0: Well, we always, I think, out talent them in my opinion. But yeah. we, whether it's mistakes and and turnovers or whatever, I mean, that is a team that doesn't make mistakes. That is one thing about Northwestern they they never penalize themselves. All that I'm calling it right now. We'll win five to three against them. I mean, it's going to be ugly. <laughs> it is a traditional ugly Northwestern kind of you know game. But I mean, we, we can we can certainly walk away from Chicago. I think with that victory.
2: 're they're, they're very good at making something ugly you know, regardless yep. of what the other team is they're good at making it uh, just kind of a scrappy low scoring well they you know they let that grass grow so long you know yeah <laughs>
0: well and they've got like two or three linebackers back that have like seven thousand
2: tackles Fishers. between them all and I mean it's yeah it's we'll get another shot at Peyton Ramsey from Indiana there which would be nice yeah
3: yeah that's right. And I think they got a new offensive coordinator this year, too. So it'll be interesting to see what they do.
1: Yeah. I mean, a couple of years ago, they won more games than they should have uh, and, and won the Big Ten West. And, you know, last year they, they lose more games than they should have. Right. right. Um, and so it kind of goes back and forth. Uh, we'll have to be on guard, no doubt. Um, but, hey, you know, if you could potentially win one of those first two uh, there should be in a spot to, to try to go 2-1 and one at that point.
0: And the way that we ended last year, I think it was the last boomer,
1: was it the last three or four games that we
0: we were in the top at least three in the country in, in penalties a game? Like least
3: penalties. Least game. penalties. Oh, least game. penalties. Yeah, 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 we improved a lot by the end of the year. Yes, yeah,
0: and if we can keep that momentum going right into the beginning of the year, I mean, that's the that's – Well, the co- certainly
2: if we have any chance against Ohio State. It's sure. got to be Well, clean.
0: and that's the thing. you got to play clean, and that's the culture, right? I mean, I'm saying that with the, the quotation marks around, but the, the culture of Frost coming in here and we're cleaning up things, and, okay, now we're going to go out there and we're not going to keep shooting ourselves in the foot, which happened for at least the first full season and a half under him, right? And I, it drove him crazy. You saw it every single post-game press conference, but – look, we're going to come out here and we're going to play clean right away. That's all we're asking in these first couple games. Let's play some clean football, and, and what happens, happens. Mm-hmm.
3: At least we know we have experience uh, when handling adversarial conference referees that they won't take it out on us.
2: <laughs> well, that, <laughs> yeah. the, this, We're not getting a single call. We're going to have to beat Ohio State by 21 points to actually um, win it. Now Honestly,
1: that- I, I would disagree with this, Mac. I, I, I think this is opposite. I think the refs have to be excited that Nebraska actually fought for the Big Ten to play, because if we're not playing, they're not getting any paychecks,
2: right? Well, I mean, that would be beautiful. I think the that ref, be yeah, beautiful.
0: right now the reffing discussion, that's just one more thing that Husker fans are complaining about. If we get into that and fans in the stands and all that, we just need to, we need to go out there, play clean football. Don't give them any reason to get to call you. I mean, we've, that's the thing, you know, the, the first two years and really the the Riley years and all that, it was hard for me to argue a lot of the penalties that they'd call on us. We, you know, we went all so many games without getting a holding call. Well, there weren't
2: a lot of times where we were getting help. I get what you're saying, but but whatever. I, you're right. I don't want to complain about that. Be a better team. Yeah, that's that's be all better. I'm say. You know, we weren't good enough as a team to beat Florida State. If we were a little bit better, we'd have won that game. But the referees had enough say in that game that it cost us. A little bit better team wins that game.
0: For our the history folks, there. That's 27 years ago. He's <laughs> so just dropping
2: the 94 orange.
0: He holds ball. a grudge. So. That's a
2: Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner and a New York Nick. Well, uh,
1: speaking of early '90s uh, teams that you know we uh, were compared against, uh, you know, Penn State '94, 94, Nebraska '94. 94. Penn State is our fourth opponent this year. We have them coming to Lincoln. I think we're are we like three and one versus them in the Big Ten. I mean, we actually have a, a pretty solid record versus them, but it's been a few years since we've had. The Nittany Lions and Lincoln. Yeah. Um, do you put them at the same level as Ohio State, or uh, one notch, maybe two notches below them? What's your thoughts on
2: Penn State? I
1: certainly don't put them at Ohio
0: I'd State say level. Three right to now. four
2: notches.
1: Well, I just don't put them at Ohio State's level,
0: and and that's not that they can't compete with them. They have, in fact they've they've played Ohio State and had big leads and given them up a couple of years, I think, on them. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're just they're not getting any further than Michigan or you know in the in the postseason, right? I mean, they're. They're not at Ohio State's level. Now they have one player that is definitely at Ohio State's level, and that's Micah Parsons. No idea where he's gonna be at uh when we're playing
2: him and feel D4. like Micah would be best served just sitting it out. <laughs> I mean,
0: what's what's <laughs>
2: left to prove? I agree, man. I mean well, he's a top wise advice. You're you're playing with house it, money right now.
0: And look or you wouldn't be. Since we're talking about Penn State too, I mean, I think one thing to compare is was it Franklin's third year where they started off the year? Two and two, they lost correct badly to Michigan and they lost to uh in-state rival Pitt. And things are the pressure's mounting on Franklin. Oh my gosh, he's not gonna get it done here and everything. And all of a sudden they, you know, they they pull off a, a winning streak and, and they beat Ohio State, and all of a sudden, you know, they're winning the going to the Rose Bowl. And my point is, I'm not saying we're gonna go to the Rose Bowl this year, but for Cripe's sakes, people, stop acting like year three you can't see something happen that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Okay. There's no reason, season three, game three, game four, that, that anyone would have thought that it was just going to turn on for Penn State. I have every reason to think it's going to happen for Nebraska under Frost. I've never thought it wasn't going to work under Frost. So just because I haven't seen it yet doesn't mean that, you know, I've changed my mind there. This is year three. I feel I, like we're
2: about 20 minutes away from you calling a win against Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it could be much longer. It's, it's, I mean, it's building up, you can yeah. fill it Mac. I mean There's every a... every every time honky gets to that <laughs> point where he wants to evaluate they say, Yeah, Penn State, you know, they're all right, but I mean they just wear blue. You know, we wear red. You know, it's a better color. I mean, Whoa.
0: the Panthers. The Panthers just lost McCaffrey. I'm just saying, there's a chance. I think the black shirts.
1: I mean, the Chiefs looked vulnerable this week. Personally, I don't know.
2: I love the way you spin a yarn, if, if I may say.
0: Dave, we did have one other uh, Twitter poll before we get out of here and go to the uh, soapbox, and that was this morning. And I don't even know how many votes we had. I don't care. It was a total joke one, but. Uh, it was PJ Fleck recently told his team about the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. Uh, not kidding. Uh, if you were the head football coach at a major division
1: one university, what fairy tale would you tell to your team? A uh, Boomer? First off, Boomer, before you even answer this, why did PJ Fleck <laughs> choose Goldilocks and the
2: three bears? I well, mean, the princess and the get pea it. had
3: been checked out from the, uh, Minnesota library. So he had to make do with what he had. So
2: it gave him an opportunity to wear a wig. It did, and
3: yeah. I'm, we're glad you're reading, PJ, so good we, job, and way to set an uh, example. Th- thanks,
1: me. Mac, for the visual there. Now <laughs> I'm actually imagining PJ in front of his team with a wig on, and like, someone comes in with a bear suit, you know? <laughs>
0: we, we had people like a- answering seriously to this, like actually giving, you know, like, oh, it should be the little engine that code or Frosty and the Snowman, and, and I'm like, guys, yeah. <laughs> this guy... Think about this for a second, but I do want to give a couple of the answers. Brewmaster Bill said, I voted for Snow White, but in the version, I think she's a promoter of a traveling wrestling show. So that's uh, for you, Boomer. Uh, Dr. Rob Zaska with Doc Talk, he said, uh, I'm thinking Beowulf, uh, someone is getting an arm ripped off. I think that's appropriate. Uh, Dave Salmon said Die Hard, which uh, led uh, Stugatz uh, to respond, nice, I love Christmas movies. And then I had to respond to him that you know, Die Hard's not a Christmas move. Oh, wait, wait. I'm it not, actually is. A- I'm not going to go there. Not going to yeah, go you're there. You're up a whole can of worms with that there. Not, 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 not going to go there. You so, don't want
1: to go whatever. down that road. And then
0: finally, the correct answer came from Steph's house. Uh, she said, this is D1 football. Take your fairy tales and get on down the road. And I think that's probably the right
2: answer. You know, he he's such a Diaco. You know, <laughs> he, he just, just seems so Diaco-y. Because, like, you remember his little story about the frog and the scorpion or whatever? He would tell his defenders about the nature of defense. And he had this... Apparently, it's... I don't know if it's one of Aesop's fables. Somebody's fable. But he used to tell the story. And this just sounds like something... They they seem so similar. I don't know how Bob Diaco is not his defensive coordinator. I has feel like it, they would fall in love. Has with
0: anyone either. ever seen P.J. Fleck and Bob Diaco in the same room? Oh my goodness. At the same time, it's simply a. It's just no. A, it's I don't think black so. A
2: wig. <laughs> he takes the wig off when he transforms. <laughs> this answers so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's the turtleneck and the sweater. Oh my goodness! Thank you.
1: All right, uh let's step on up to that soapbox.
2: Now it's
1: time for the Redcast soapbox segment. Get up. Uh, get up. On that soapbox, get up. Get up. On the soapbox. How about you give our friends at Hero Soap Company a try? Our buds over at Hero Soap Company are hooking you Redcasters up. Enter REDCAST in the discount code box at checkout, and you will save even more on your purchase. Go to herosoapcompany.com and shop for yourself. REDCAST discount code. Subscribe. Make it happen. Now back to the podcast as the REDCAST gents step up to the soap, soap box. box. Get up. Alright, we are on our soapbox and we are breaking down the keys to the uh, season both offense and defense. Uh, honky, didn't we get a uh, question along these lines in the gobigredcast.com <laughs> I don't know what that is. Sorry. You're so good at that and I never say it.
0: It's the uh, gobigredcast at gmail.com inbox. And yes. Uh, yes. Wait, um, is
2: it gmail.com at inbox? Or is it no. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that right? I think it was AOL. At uh, oh my gosh, did I be just did I just become an advertising star? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs>
3: thank you, um,
0: Douglas Deverdi, uh, who has sent us a, a number of things over the course of the last few months. Douglas, you're you're awesome. Thank you. Um, he gets really in depth in the X's and O's. It's a lot of fun with some of the the emails that he sends us. But this week he asked about keys to the season: one offense, one defense and um he gave us his and uh you know without getting into all the detail he did on offense his key was running between the tackles uh whether that's inside zones or traps and on defense his key was stopping the outside zone stretch play and and he specifically mentioned how it's a a staple in three offenses that we're going to be playing which is Iowa Minnesota and then Penn State who has the former Minnesota offensive coordinator so you know, the point was that those are the two things. If we can do those two—run between the tackles on offense and stop the outside zone play on defense—we're going to be in pretty good shape. Those are his two keys, Mac. I guess as you kind of hear those from from Douglas, what are you thinking?
2: Well, just speaking on of the offensive side, I, I agree with him about the zone running. I, I guess for me, it's just the running game in general. I, I think with the offensive line that we have coming back, the experience that we have at center, uh, I feel like you know, Farniak is established and maybe moving inside and then you've got Hymas, a legit all conference type player that we haven't had in a while. It's really I'm really excited that we're gonna mm-hmm. get to see him play this year and see what how that looks on the offensive side. So that that being said, with Derrick Mills being back, I've heard some things about Ramirez Johnson being okay. We get to use all those freshmen. The running game needs to be there early and it mm-hmm. needs to it needs to be something we can lean on. If the offensive line is worth their salt, if they're moving around well, we've got tempo and and rhythm early. The, if we're not showing the ability to run the ball, then I have some concerns. Now, game one is Ohio State. So let me just say that because that needs to be factored in somehow. It's going to be a fourth quarter game, Mac. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, if this podcast
0: saying, keeps going. I'm saying it.
1: <laughs>
0: if they get to Bando... <laughs> <laughs> Brock, you're in trouble, oh, That's the it. Ohio State. I, I do think, you know, run-pass ratio, something I have mentioned over the course of the, the three years that we've done this. I'm
2: confused. Explain.
0: <laughs> I Yes, we have to be able to run the football, and, and it needs to be a majority of our game. We need a 60-40 kind of split, I think, at the very least. Uh, just in general. I mean, that's an important number for us that, that we need to be establishing that run. But more importantly than just establishing the run, I think we need to be able to run the ball at times that are passing situations. And I think we need to be able to pass the ball at times that are running situations. Right. I think we need to be that kind of team. Just be obnoxious about it. Well, you know, I, I've seen enough good teams out there play where you know, it's a third and nine and they run the ball up the gut and they get it, right? In fact, somebody was playing the Browns, so I don't think it's probably a very fair... Uh, assessment, but somebody was playing the Browns. I think this last weekend and ran for like a third and thirty.
3: Oh yes, and they made it too. It would have yeah. been the Bengals.
0: Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not suggesting that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying in general, you know, to be able to to mix things up like that and but to really kind of own the. When you want to run, be able to run. When you want to pass, be able to pass. Now, on defense, what he was talking about there, stopping the outside zone stretch play, Mac, I think some of that's what you know Shenander's talked about with recruiting longer guys and and, uh, just in general. I mean, that that length has been important to him in that front seven.
2: Yeah, that's something that's been addressed almost immediately when they got here, the the size of the guys we had playing in the bigs positions. Um, They just weren't up to what they wanted to. And, you know, Fleck made a mention of it after they had beat us that, you know, Stretching it sideline to sideline, put our linebackers in some sort of conflict. I think you mentioned that earlier. Well, a lot of that also has to do with the fact that our maybe our defensive line wasn't quite as tall or as long as they were we needed to be to really stretch that out and the, the linebackers not have a conflict, but have a target. So those are things that I feel like the staff has addressed all along the way. We've had a constant message now for three years, guys. We've we haven't tried to change any kind of identity. We haven't tried no. to to reinvent ourselves. All we've been doing is trying to recruit to type and develop to that position through, you know, through the strength and conditioning and the nutrition side of it. Mm-hmm. We've had a little bit of a hiccup with this pandemic, COVID nineteen. I don't know if you heard of it, um, <laughs> but other than that, man, it's been full steam ahead. This year, year three, it will manifest. I promise it'll manifest. I don't know wins and losses, but it's got to show up on the field. And if it doesn't, then I don't even know what to think. Other than I'm going to look into other podcasts, guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> but if we don't get better this year, I'm, I'm, I'm just full of it. I you'll, guess I'm just
0: full of being. You'll be frustrated. Well. Well, Douglas, uh, you know you asked us for our one offensive uh, key to the season, and obviously that was Mac there. I think with being able to run the ball when we need to. Defensively, I'm going to hand this over to, to Dave, and then after that, we're not just a, a two trick pony kind of show. We we believe in all three aspects of it. So Boomer's going to break down the key to the special
2: Aspects of a
1: pony, You're so funny, dude.
2: <laughs> but oh, Dave,
0: but Dave, defensively, what's the key to the season? Do you think defensively?
1: I'll go with uh, getting off the field on third downs. Um, mm. That's been a problem for Nebraska football for what it feels like better ha- part of a decade at this at this juncture. So you know, and one way to do that is, is turnovers, right? We've heard from uh, Shenander that his defense creates turnovers, uh, creates opportunities for that offense uh, to run the ball, and and um, we need to see more of that if this is going to be a successful season. So I'll say. Uh, Getting off the field in third down and and hopefully doing that occasionally with that that key turnover.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think of two guys, you know, I've already mentioned, you know, the Ty Robinsons and the Jordan Rileys that changed the makeup of how our our front three look. But that front seven is going to start to change its appearance, too. When you're getting outside guys like Nico Cooper and I think Blaze Gunderson, we're talking about some true six 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 five outside linebacker with, dudes with full
2: license to play this year. By the way, yeah, I mean we can play Blaze Gunderson, see what he's got, yep, and let him rip. Yep, and all these young long, it, it's gonna be, it is gonna be a lot of fun for us. It'll make more of a difference for a team like us than it would for a team like Ohio State. Like when they're just stacked and stacked and stacked, like we have some guys that maybe we could figure out if they're mm-hmm. like the Xavier Betts. I think on offense. Like We can just keep running that kid out there and see what he can do. And I, I promise you, yep. had he been eligible the entire time he was being recruited, we would be talking about him far more than we have. That kid is an elite. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think the last part of the game, and its it, we always put it at the end, but as we saw last year, uh, Boomer, special teams cost us at least probably two games, probably more. And, you know, what do we need to do on the special team side? What's a key so that, you know, we don't lose those games this year?
3: Well, we've just got to find kickers that aren't going to injure themselves in the offseason before the season even starts, <laughs> anything like that. That's the big thing. And we've got a whole slew of a lot of young talent on that kicking game, whether it's uh, at the punting position. We've got it a handful of uh You know, sophomore, freshman, redshirt freshmen, even somebody from down under who was drinking, you know, Foster's, you know, a couple weeks ago before they came here. So a lot of options there. And uh, same thing with place kicking, just the ability to kick field goals regularly or having confidence in being able to kick a field goal at a certain distance. We saw last year, you know, how often, how many times did we have to go for it on, you know, a a fourth and long because we didn't think we could kick a field goal. And we left points on the board because of that. So those are all huge issues. So just seeing who steps up to be that, that place kicker. You know, Jace Contreras is probably, you know, one of the, the key guys in that aspect. We're all expecting to step in and come out there.
1: Well, Culp too, right? Boomer, the LSU transfer. I think you get a
0: guy from that's already got D1 kicking experience. I mean, I think. But but to your point, Boomer, I mean, you yeah. You have competition. competition. Yeah, we've
3: got a lot of we've got a lot of young talent. We got a lot of competition, and we shouldn't have to resort this year to just open tryouts to anyone who was on the the soccer intramural teams. <laughs> so, or putting in one of our linebackers, you know, in his place kicker, kind of like we were doing a little bit last year. So, I yeah, um, so that is going to be a fascinating part of the game to see who steps up, who takes those roles because it's there for people to take, and that's a huge part of the game. We've talked about it a lot. And, well,
0: what about what about a year ago where? You know, we've made a lot of mention to how we redshirted, and that was a clear strategy on the part of Frost and Company to redshirt as many of those freshmen as possible. But the problem that came with that is that a lot of those guys could have been helpful dudes on special teams, too, the coverage units and all that. This year, I mean, we have, again, because of the the COVID rules, there is no – everyone's eligible. There is no – we have 150 players on this team. And when you think about coverage units and punt teams and, you know, all that, I mean – Everyone's available at your disposal right now, and with with Rutledge, you know, being an actual you know full time uh, analyst to special teams, but somebody that's focused completely on it. I mean, I, I just think that the the opportunities to get different personnel groups out there for special teams, uh, it could look completely different than a year ago. It should look completely different. Yeah,
3: and that's a, and that's a huge advantage to this season. You know, with with a team like Nebraska, that has a big roster. Because typically you see teams like Ohio State, they kind of have that Urban Meyer philosophy where they just have enough talent that they can afford to have their, their younger talent play on special teams and get experience because they're only going to be there a couple of years anyway. So let's you know just get them rolling early. Now we Nebraska, we have a chance to just give everyone a shot. So let's put them all out there and, and see what happens with them. It's a great way to get everyone experience and see what everybody can do. Well, Douglas, thank you so much for
0: the question. Uh, you know, it's a pretty quick soapbox this week. We'll have uh, something different next week, obviously, but...
2: Uh, it will be dirtier next week.
0: Yeah, it'll get, yeah, we'll get a little dirtier on the soapbox next week. But Dave, I, I think, you know, that probably leads us into the mailbag now.
1: Absolutely. Let's crack that thing open and see what we have on the Twitter sphere and in the uh,
2: Gmail account. I feel like we've opened the mailbag like four times on this show. Am I wrong? We're
3: doing our best to support the Postal Service here,
2: Max. So. Okay, That's right. Like, USPS like, is an important we've, part we've, of we've our answered democracy. We've questions from the mailbag, and now we're opening the mailbag? Well, this is the
0: official opening of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite mailbag. <laughs> I
0: don't know, Mac. I'm no, trying to go down
2: the I, playlist. Listen, I love questions. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> I just want to make sure I wasn't... Hey, drunker than the rest of you. I'm like, well, no dude, promises. There? Yeah, yeah, I can't
3: promise anything there. So yeah. there was All no right.
0: promises there. But no. what I will say is that this was a very full mailbag. We even have a couple of Instagram ones uh, from Cornusker memes. Would you consider the season's success of Nebraska finished the year four and four? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question. Yeah.
1: Well, we we would have nine games hopefully, so four and four shouldn't be an option, right?
0: That's correct, and if 59% of the people are right from our poll earlier and we're at least 2-2 two and two to start the year, I think if we're sitting at 2-2, two and two, nobody would think 4-4 four and four would be acceptable at that point, right?
3: So, you know, I mean – Although I, I will say one thing, you know, with, with as weird as this season could be and like something Mac mentioned last week, if, say, the entire quarterback team came down with COVID and they had to be, you know, quarantined for three weeks and we still managed to get four wins out of this season – I might be okay with that. I don't know. It, it's just a weird year, so uh, it, it, it's it, hard to predict. You know,
2: If we get five and four, are people happy? Are you, are you guys happy? This is my question. Depends on what that five and four looks like. No, right? no. I mean, that, I, well, I think- that was my question then because that is that is a distinction, right? Because yeah. five yeah. and four does sound good, but they're, five and four could feel a little different depending on how that shook out. And, 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 you know, I would ask, I was going to ask the same question I about hate, six I, and three. I like, hate cause six these and questions. three could sound good, yeah. but they could have been, those three losses could have been harder.
0: I, I hate these questions every year. And this is, I don't even like this answering This is why you don't pre- predict losses. I don't like preseason predictions, anyways. And, and <laughs> there's a reason why there's, you know, billion dollar casinos in Vegas because they know how to make money off of it. And I don't know how to bet on it. And I don't care. Um, look, I I don't want us to lose any game, so I I don't want to take eight and one. I want nine and zero, right? I mean, I'm selfish, right? Look, if we can go, how we start that season off? If we can go the two and two, I think that you know we would reevaluate. We would sit here and have that red cast four weeks in the season. Right. Go, my God, we're two and two, right. and assuming that those two losses were close ones, we'd be sitting there going. Man, let's go. Let's yeah. let, we're going five and zero the rest of this year, right? We're going to finish seven and two. I mean, we'd have a that mindset that we got through. Well, the, if we start a four
2: zero, we'd never predict a loss.
1: I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I get where you're, where you're going at that. I, I that if we go two and two in that first four, that means we beat one of the three, yeah. right? We somehow beat Ohio State, Penn State, or Wisconsin. New Wisconsin's the only one of those 3 that are in the Big 10 West and I mean Correct. how we get over this hump is starting to win our West. Big 10 West games. The heck with Ohio State and Penn State. It's great if we could beat those guys. But reality is we need to go and win the games we are supposed to win in the Big Ten West. And that includes the teams that are on the top of the Big Ten West as of late, which is Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. So I think you, in some ways, have to judge your season on how
2: well you compete in the Big Ten West, right? Mm-hmm. You're 100% correct. Of those. that scenario you laid out, Wisconsin would be the most important victory. We would. We really need to beat Wisconsin for a variety of reasons. And, and a loss to Ohio State and a loss to Penn State still doesn't feel the same way that a loss to Wisconsin would feel this way. Same with Iowa. You know, we have just lost too many times, too many times in a row. Seven and straight times. To Wisconsin. Be, you know, we're supposed to be a comp with each other. It's just not, it's getting to the point where it's embarrassing to, mm-hmm. to keep talking about how wait till we come back. Mm-hmm. Like those are, those are teams we need to be, we need to be at a level of those teams this year. And I feel like we are, but we still have to get over that hump with it, with a W. Yeah.
0: Well, another question from Instagram, which is crazy. We've got two in one week. So, so this is an
2: Instagram mailbag
0: question. This platform, you know, the, the platform of, of Instagram, it's starting to pay off now. TW in Nebraska said, Thoughts on the deepest and weakest position group on each side of the ball? I'll answer the offensive side of the ball. The uh, I'm going to say it's a line. I mean, we have everyone coming back, and we still may not have the same starters because there's just depth on top of depth on top of depth. Uh, I think that O line group, this has the chance to be an O line group that can redefine how our offense is being played. I mean, we should be able to control the line of scrimmage, and that's something that we haven't been able to do in a number of years. And as far as I think the weakest group on the offensive side, guys, do you agree? Maybe running back. I mean, and now that doesn't, we love Mills. In fact, we love them all, but it's just so much youth and inexperience and, and, and guys actually carrying the ball. I mean, Ramirez. Johnson's your second most experienced guy, and he basically played against Maryland.
1: Yeah, I mean, after Mills, we have little proven depth, mm-hmm. a lot of anticipation there. We're hearing good things about Savion Morrison, Right Mac, but we just haven't seen it yet. So hopefully, by the end of the year, that's a whole different story.
2: Yeah, and they and they got a lot to, lot to bite off right in the first game, right? I mean, Mills, guys, yeah, I think we can count on. him. We got to ride I think him, immediately man. Immediately, it's Ramirez Johnson, and they're, we're we're talking Ohio State, so. You know, ideally you keep Wandell out of the backfield for the most part. But I feel like we've got some bodies back there. I mean, there's sevion Sevillon's got some good early reports. Scott came in looking like a monster. Yeah, um, Ramir looks like he's – I just feel pretty good about it. But,
0: it. but it is thin. Two games into the season, we just get done playing Wisconsin. How many carries do you want Mills to already have?
2: Mid-40s, low-40s.
0: I was going to say fifty. I mean, I, I would love a twenty-five carries game.
2: though, or just touches carries. Uh, yeah, I'm I mean, I, no I want
0: him plays. to be a workhorse kind hey, of guy. Huck,
1: that's an interesting point. Just an interesting point. With a shorter season, you may not need to ration Mills Ooh. carries as much. That's a great point. I don't
2: know. I mean, like, why not? You know, possibly give him 25? Dave, we don't need game. to ration anybody's anything. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, maybe Ohio State needs to think about it, but we don't need to rationalize anything. We need to we need to set it on fire. And Mills
0: is a different style of back. He's not Maurice Washington style. He's a guy that I think can carry that ball twenty five times a game. He's a bigger dude. I mean, he's got a little more to learn
2: too. Because early in his career here, he was not going to be able to carry it more than fifteen to twenty times. Now he's starting to feel soft spots. Mills is a guy who could have a sneaky good year, and everyone's going to have to readjust what a good year is for an individual statistical season, right? Mm. But, I mean, per game is probably the best way to go. He, he's he got a chance to have a... Again, though, it's like every time I start to say that, I start to think, well, the first game's Ohio State, then the second game's Wisconsin, <laughs> then Northwestern, who nobody ever has a big game against Northwestern, and then it's Penn State. So statistically, who knows how it's going to look by game four. It's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be wins and losses. Period.
0: I'm guessing Ohio State comes down to the last two minutes. <laughs> so, uh, Brewmaster Bill, At least
2: of the first half. <laughs>
0: Brewmaster <laughs> Bill. Next question. He goes. If you're a hot dog and starving, do you eat yourself? Also, does Forty drink Michelob Ultra or Hard Seltzer? Uh, Boomer, what does Pat Forty drink? Is it uh,
3: Ultra or Seltzer? Oh, he doesn't drink any of those things. Who are we kidding? I mean, he might have a. Cosmopolitan or margarita on occasion. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't drink anything resembling a strawberry, beer. Yeah, A actually. Snickerdoodle Martini? Yeah, maybe, maybe. that, or an apple teeny, something like that. Yeah, he, he doesn't drink anything like that. So, no, no concerns
2: there. He drinks seltzer water. The <laughs> dude's a clown.
3: No, nah, I, I even like seltzer water, so it's not even that. No. no. <laughs> no
2: I mean, usually shot in his face. That yeah. gonna go Yeah,
3: I got it. Okay, Dave,
0: next question goes to you. Wild West asks, Who do you think scores the first touchdown of the year? Is it Martinez to Wandell? Is it Mills? Maybe a tight end? He says he thinks it's Wondell. How
1: about you? I'll go Martinez to Omar Manning. Ripping the top off early in the game against Ohio State. First quarter touchdown.
2: Nice. Mac, what are you thinking? I'm going to go Cam Taylor Britt off of a tipped screen that he takes back. Pick six, baby.
0: Oh, going with the D. All right. Boomer. You've got to think something special teams, right? I mean, well, we're going it.
3: touchdowns, right? So
0: Well, it could be a kick return,
3: pump uh, okay. Right? Well that's not happening. Uh <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go with uh, Martinez running it in for a touchdown on that. So yeah. That's that's most likely for a score. Cam Taylor Britt. If that happens back, that that's
1: yeah,
0: be that's impressive. my
2: walk-off shot. All
0: right. We're gonna use that we're gonna go in the same order there here for the next question from C B. He said if you could bring back any former husker since 2010, who would it be? Again, I'm gonna start with you, uh, Dave. You know, who would you take back? Any Husker since
1: 2010? Um since 2010. So that excludes Sue. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I have one on both sides of the ball. I'm gonna go with um one of the most underappreciated linebackers in the NFL today, Levante David. David. Yeah, okay,
0: that's, that's a great fair pick. Fair. Um, I've already forgot the order, so I'm going to go with, is it Mac? <laughs> I think you're next. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah.
2: So, uh, Amir Abdullah falls with that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yes, I would take absolutely. A, I would take Amir Abdullah.
3: Man, that was my pick. Darn it, Mac. Sorry. Yeah. I'd, sorry, yeah, No, sorry, you're good. That's No, Amir Abdullah, I'd love him back. I'd, I loved him when he was here. Just loved his effort and everything he put forth to the team, and Man, if you had him on this team, you'd have no concerns about running backs and could let Scorched Martinez. Earth on this yeah, team. It, it would be outstanding if he was if he was on this roster. So, he'd be the one I'd want back for sure. Yeah, I guess I'm going to repeat what Dave
0: said. I think Levante David. Uh, what I was at the Penn State game, the, the, the Jerry Sandusky week. I mean, that awful week being oh, out yeah. there, you know. But that game, what people forget about it is that was an, a really good game between two ranked teams, and Penn State was a really good team i mean that year obviously they had a lot going on but david makes a huge stop on like a fourth and one i mean right in the middle of the field people think of him as being a almost a Terrell farley kind of you know smaller you know sideline to sideline guy but he would stick his nose in there and when he hit dudes they stopped at that line of scrimmage. They, they stopped the second he hit him, And that's the kind of thing. I don't care if you're a big six five. Do we, we've talked about that so much on yeah. defense and you know, is the length important? Yes or no? At the end of the, at the end of the day, the hitting's important. Well, if, the, if you're not hitting, I don't care if you're six five or not. The, and David, I'd take a Lamani David every single he, he season. Made, he made yeah. tackles,
2: but uh, short of David, then defensively, <laughs> anybody you put ahead of like a Randy Gregory. Like how good would well, he I be mean, on this team? I'd right now, a, we'd love to have that yeah. pass rusher.
0: You know, the funny thing is that some of these guys that we talk about now, Gregory is a bigger kind of guy. He would actually probably fit some of the he the be, profile that they are looking at. But guys, I would I take, would take a Malik Collins right now, and Malik Collins sure. probably yeah. doesn't fit the profile of, of the traditional three four D lineman that we're Valentine looking for. Would Valentine in, would him. probably fit that style. No doubt. I mean-
1: Offensively, I would take Stanley Morgan back in a heartbeat. Oh. because I, th- I think that's a, a key to this offense. And hopefully we have that this year. We'll I mean, see what I would, that emerges. you emerges. Know,
2: Zigbo was pretty good, too. Like He would be, he would not maybe as a feature guy, but I wouldn't say the same thing with with Stanley Morgan either. But both of those guys could have really good roles in an offense like this. And I feel like those, are, those should be the guys that we at least you'd be able to you know start the stables with a little bit on top of like an Omar yeah. or or you know Savior Morrison who we, we assume
0: it we way. were crazy blessed at running back for a while there between having Halou and then to Burkhead and then to Abdullah. I mean it was and then even guys like Cross that came after that. You know, in the right setting Cross could be a really good back and then obviously what a Zigbo came out of that too. I mean there's you know we've had some good backs there. So that's a good question, C B. Um next up, well our next two questions come from Sal Vasta. And the first one, kind of a follow up to what we were just talking about with running backs. Uh, who's the number two running back behind Mills to start the year, and who is it at the end of the season? Mac, you're our running backs coach, so I'm going to throw that one to you. Who do you think?
2: Um, I think immediately it's going to be Ramirez Johnson. You sure. know, without, you know, it's funny. There's not been a lot of a, fuss, a football talk coming out of camp or anything like that just yet, but just based on. Simple depth chart, I feel like he's probably going to be the first one out of the gate behind Mills. But then it's going to be a real, real short rung down before you get to the freshman. You know, you were you talk about Savion Morrison. He's got the size, height, weight that this this staff likes. Scott comes in, Scott, ready, yeah. built to go. Um, I'm, I'm missing somebody. that I'm...
0: Like Ronald Tompkins? Or... Ronald
2: Tompkins. Thank you. Ronald Tompkins. You know, the the longer this off season goes, the better it serves a guy who's coming off of two major knee surgeries. So he, he would be a complete bonus. So and to, if it to his point, happens.
0: So to his point, by the end of the season, do you think one of them overtakes Vermeer, or do you just think Vermeer ends up kinda of being second all the way through?
2: I'm going to say because it it makes my heart happy to say things like this. I think Morrison will probably overtake that second spot. And and, and really? if things are if things are trading the way we were recruiting and, and and the, like the way this this coaching staff is envisioned in the roster, that makes sense to me. Ramir Johnson is going to be that third down. He's a super, super okay. top end speed guy. You know, that's a guy you get a sprinkle in, like they did with Killian's at, at, at Central Florida. So mm-hmm. that, 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 that's a guy I think. Semion Morrison, more the complete back, so we'll probably take over the reins as the season becomes sure. you know, closer to the end.
0: Well, the other question that came from Sal Vast, and I'm going to ask this one to Boomer. He says, if a Big Ten team, enters the red section of COVID testing and is unable to play the game. Is it a forfeit? Now, I don't know the specific rules behind that, but I think, Boomer, did you kind of look some of those up? or How how does that play out? Well,
3: yeah, right at this point, it's uh, the Big Ten is taking their typical approach, and they don't know what they're going to do with that yet. It's, it's still up in the air how they're going to handle a situation where a team has so many positives that they can't play. Uh, the, the way the Big Ten's built a schedule, there's really not a chance to make those games up. You know, unlike some of the other conferences that have started already, they have a chance to try to play some of those games. But right now, that's still up in the air whether they're going to call it a forfeit or no contest or what they're going to do with it. Uh, they've talked about that they're going to have some additional meetings before the season starts, and they'll have that figured out. They're going to figure out you know tiebreakers for this year because it's going to be a strange year as far as who wins your division and things like that for you know the championship week that they're having at the end of the game. But right now the answer is we don't know what they're going to do with that. So that remains to be seen. So we'll probably find out from, you know, the Big Ten about a day or so before the season kicks off. So,
1: <laughs> true.
0: All right. Well, the next question uh, comes from Chris Franks. And he said, I'd like to think that we're going to see a healthy dose of 2019 recruits in the first four games. Give us three 2020 recruits. That will see significant time in the first four games and why. So, I guess I'm going to start with you, Dave. Do you have, you know, in fact, since there's three of you guys, I'll have you guys each do one. But, uh, you know, pick one player from the 2020 class that uh, will see a significant time in the first four and why.
1: Dave. So, okay let's uh, point a clarification here, really quick. Uh, he mentioned four games, which is typically what you'd want to preserve your redshirt with. There is no need for that this year. Correct. They have let that go. Everybody is red shirting, so mm-hmm. it really opens up um, who we can play. Um, I'll take Xavier Betts. Um, you know, I probably would have took Omar. He's a JUCO though, so I, I well, I Dave. Just on... point
0: of clarification here is that I, I think you can count Manning too because it's 2020 class, so doesn't really matter if it's freshman or JUCO. So or both. Perfect. I
1: I'll, I'll take a, a two for one. That I'll take Betts <laughs> and Manning. <laughs>
0: That's such a Dave Betting move. He takes two for one, right? Well, it's a parlay move. We hedge. You hedge your bets. <laughs> so, so Dave Manning and bets, right? Yes. All right.
3: So next up,
0: Boomer. What are you thinking?
3: Well, you know, I always like to look at special teams. We've got a lot of new blood there on the kicking game of it. Um, from the place kicker end of it, you've got uh, Connor Culp coming in from LSU. I guess you could technically say he's a 2020 recruit since he's been all over the place, but he's new to us. You know, he's going to be battling for time with uh, Chase Contreras, some other place kickers, and um, you've got the, the punting game. We, you know, we've beaten the drum ad nauseum of how important field position is to, to games and flipping fields and winning games. You know, you've got uh, you got our, our uh, kicker last year, William Pristop, but uh, you've got uh, Australian Daniel Cerny coming in with a lot of hype. Yeah, no, know he's a guy that could possibly take that job, so I think uh, any of those guys that have coming in and that are new to Nebraska – have a chance to play a big role in this season i expect him to we're
0: going we're going with punter or we're going with kicker what, what are you going with boomer
3: oh, he took gosh. two as well kicker. he's a smart man why well, you got to go with place kicker i think we've got it we've got an established punter but i think the place kicker end of it's everything is new so uh, that's a wide open game let's go with place kicker for now
2: so. all right mac what are you thinking you know, simply from a number standpoint and a lack of depth in particular positions, I'm going to go with running back. I'll say Sevion Morrison. I think he looks exactly how I have pictured the running backs in this system to look. Uh, Scott might play a little bit earlier, you know. So if it's this that first four games, then maybe maybe that is kind of an issue. But I, I'll say this. You know, it all sounds great. You know, there's no restrictions on our you know our freshmen. We don't have to redshirt them. But I don't expect. <laughs> these first four games to have a lot of true freshman playing in them, to be real honest. It's going to take, you know, our season guys to win these games. Sure. So there's not going to be a lot of that, that freshman play in these first games if things are going well. Uh, um, but, but, cause I like, I like what he was saying about Xavier Betts and Omar Manny. And I think Omar Manny has to play, but with the running back position, it's probably going to be the, the, you know, it's probably going to be Ramirez Johnson. It's probably going to be Mills for the first few games. Mm. And then after that, yes, those, if, I, th- I think those freshmen have a chance. But these first four games are hard. It's gonna take all hands on deck. Sure. So it might be more of a special teams actually kind of manifestation of those guys. Sure. My guy that I'm gonna pick from the 2020 class is Nico
0: Cooper. Uh yet another JUCO, I guess, Dave. You know, you picked Manning and, you know, guys that have had a couple years out of high school and, and a little more developed. The thing with Cooper, I was watching a little more of his Huddle film today and just wanting to see as much as I could of a guy that he fits the profile. He's a bigger, taller 6'5", 6'6 guy. He's a pass rusher. I mean, that's what they're looking for. It's something that we're missing out of some of that outside right. linebacker spot. So it, that kind of doubles into why I want to think that this guy can make a difference and make a difference quicker. So that would be a guy that I would think I would see over the first four games. Um, last question out of the mailbag, and this comes from another Podcast, not just us. What? But somebody that we've done a, a couple. Communicating. We've done a couple of crossovers with these guys, Justin and Mike, good dudes over at the Husker Football Fan Podcast. Uh, I I'm going to start with Dave on this one, and it's the best movie you've ever watched during the pandemic.
1: Oh my goodness, uh, that's that's intriguing. Uh, I'll go with uh, Rules of the Game. Wow, I am but. <laughs> Boomer, you know what I'm talking about. I do, yeah. It's Jean Renoir. Yeah, uh, yeah.
3: It's
1: an excellent film. Caught her a few months ago. Uh, seems very appropriate in this uh, dysfunctional
3: Big Ten these days.
0: Wow. So you know what that is? So Boomer, do you have one?
3: <laughs> oh, geez, I've got a lot. Uh, I watched quite a few movies in this this pandemic side. Uh, you know, if anyone knows me, I watch a lot of movies and not TV. Uh you know some great movies I've watched over the over the pandemic. You know I've really enjoyed Krzysztof uh, uh, Ch- uh, Kieslowski's Three Colors trilogy, Blue, White, and Red. Uh, but I don't know. Good choice. Yeah, I don't man. know how many of our listeners are into Polish, Swiss, French movies, um, but they, they are outstanding. I I would recommend kind of a kind of a dark horse movie I watched uh, a few weeks ago. It, um... I think it's on Amazon Prime right now, maybe Netflix, one or the other, but uh, it's The Vast of Night. It's a little kind of an indie film. It's kind of a science fiction Twilight Zone-esque sort of thing set in 1950s New Mexico. It's an independent film kind of thing, but it's really, really good. I highly recommend that to anybody who just wants to sit down, watch a quick movie. It's not a long movie, so, you know, not a big time investment. Well, well worth a watch. So if you're going to watch a different film, something you haven't seen, it's it's kind of got this creepy vibe to it. I, I'd highly recommend that, especially since October is coming up. It's a good time of year for that.
2: Mac, uh, Goonies. I uh, <laughs> it was digitally remastered, and uh, they they uh, added back in some of the uh, deleted scenes of a longer water slide scene. So there are a few more and it Earth. makes that
3: octopus line make sense finally yeah
2: yeah at first i didn't know you know why didn't he grab the julie right off that scale well it turns out booby trap so yeah that one but also that blue white and red one that he was a fan of i saw that yeah yeah um, i watched it in the wrong direction so it's like a reverse blow pop
0: so they packed up their group, got a grip, came equipped, uh, grabbed their proton packs off their back, and they split. Found out about Vigo, the master of Vigo. Tried to bow, my boys. That's not legal. Yeah, Ghostbusters too. Yeah, Bobby Brown. <laughs> Ghostbusters too. Bobby yeah. Brown. A little
2: Carpathian kitten loss. All, yep.
0: All on their own. <laughs> um, that would be the best one I probably have
2: watched during the pandemic. So <laughs> It's an underrated number two, Ghostbusters. It really? Look, you know, you name a better one. Stand by me too was not my favorite. Did they make a second statement? I'm no, pretty sure. No way. It's called Mac and Me. No. <laughs> wow. Dave, get us out of here.
1: <laughs> All right, Honk. Uh, before we get out of here, let's do some parting shots. And I'll start with Honky.
0: Well, you know, we just talked about the Husker Fan Podcast, Justin and Mike, and those are great dudes. I just want to just take a second to – I hate Twitter. It's mm. the worst thing in the world. It's awful. Everything sucks about it. And at the same time, if it wasn't for Twitter, I am so thankful for the so many of the great people that we've met. The, the Husker Fan posca, Podcast guys, the Husk guys, Husker Hype, uh, Chaz and SoCal, Brewmaster Bill, Husker Game Day. Uh, you know, I, I, we've done shows with the uh, you know uh, Jeffrey Husker the Greek, Goo, yeah, Jeffrey uh, the Greek, and the guys with the you know. We've met people that are great Husker fans, great Big Ten fans, yeah. great college football fans, and so for all the negativity that surrounds twitter and social media um still all the time the effort that we've spent it's been worth it to meet all those people out there and so i don't know i don't really have a point to this other than that it's been really cool I'm just feeling a little well, nostalgic right now is that th- we've got to meet some really cool people, and, and it's been a lot of fun, and I just want to go from there. At
2: least it took a, a really long time to say. <laughs> so on top of that, I'll just say, uh, I'll talk to you later, <laughs> Redcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right i guess that was max so i'm gonna go to boomer <laughs>
3: well I, I don't know much to add uh, uh you know other than uh, i'd like to give a shout out to to saint kill the saints they gave a great curb stomping to the greater western sydney giants the other day to clinch their spot in the uh the ladder in the australian football league so that's the Redcast cast other love so if you're into that uh still time to get into the playoffs of the australian football league and enjoy that and go big red
1: Oy, 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 the Geelong Cats killed me on Saturday, Boomer. I don't know what... Well, the that they did, but is. come on. Unexcusable loss to the Sydney Swans. Yeah, the, the
3: Swans suck. I don't know how they could lose to them at this point. So.
1: Agreed. Who
3: else sucks? Rucker sucks.
2: Bring back Vedral.
1: Well, that'll be for the next podcast as we break down the AFL ladder. Uh, but until then, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. DBR.